from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't like them like us. They're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. This is the Blitz at 6. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, July 14th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. It's a big birthday week. Happy belated birthday to Kyle Lewis, who turned 25 yesterday. But also, happy early birthday to the soon-to-be 21-year-old Jared Kelnick. He started his birthday week off pretty well with a bang yesterday two home runs worth at t-mobile park we'll play those for you and hear uh from jared himself we'll also dig into some sound from scott service and from jerry depoto on kelnick and his development what that could mean for his playing time uh this year and how he feels about that also just saying that he kind of loves the routine of just playing baseball and working out playing baseball working out um, one of those things uh, where, you know, the thing you get to do or thing you love the most, you get to do. So we'll hear from him. Also, baseball experiencing a couple of problems right now. And just yesterday, Chicago Cubs manager David Ross, five other individuals were not able to attend Monday morning practice. Uh, that's been a common theme, whether it's not getting test results back quickly so we'll discuss some of the problems here from Jeff Passan, also Houston Rockets star guard Russell Westbrook announced that he tested positive for the coronavirus. How is the rest of the NBA bubble shaping up? It announced some coronavirus test results yesterday as well. All ahead in this hour, plus a first look at the new helmets and new look that NFL players could be sporting in 2020. The Oakley Mouse Shield will discuss in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. As I mentioned, happy early birthday to soon-to-be 21-year-old Jared Kelnick. And not a bad way to start off your birthday week, I'd say, with a pair of home runs. Said perhaps it could have maybe even been three home runs, which we'll discuss. But it was his first home runs in intra-squad games, uh, which had been taking place the last couple of days. And he had prepped. Uh, he had peppered the stands in batting practice last week, but felt different to to hit the ball out of the park. Home run number one came off lefty Nestor Cortez. He left a fastball up, and that was hammered. Here was the sound of that. And remember, piping crowd noise in, so a little different effect. Home run number two came off new bullpen addition Carl Edwards Jr. And we got to hear from Jared Kelnick on describing his approach on those. Yeah, you know, the first one, I kind of just, um trying to remember. First one, I was looking for something soft. Um, I didn't think that his fastball was going to beat me. Um, one to stay like through the left side of the field with it, um, and was just going to take the approach of a fastball that I was just going to react to it, especially if it was in. Um, and that's kind of just what happened. Um, you know, I took a, I think, I believe I took a first pitch curveball, 
um, that I thought was a ball. And then the next pitch was just a fastball that I reacted and I got the head out and smell you later. <laughs> Kept that approach on the second home run of the day. The last one, kind of the same thing. I was looking soft late in the at bat. I was looking for a fastball early and then and wanted to see him out over the plate. He's got some natural cut. And then the curveball, I was just trying to see if it was going to pop. And he threw it, but it was a ball. And I didn't think that he was going to come back to it. And same thing, though. It was just kind of a reaction. That's really it. little different vibe, of course, with the inter-squad games. No fans in the stands. But what does it feel like to watch those home run balls get out of the ballpark? I think it's like any other home run. I mean, anytime you can get uh, – there's nothing better than, you know, feeling that loud crack of the bat. And anytime you can, you know, put the ball over to help your team out, I think is – it's awesome. Not even just for me, though. Like, uh, like I, everyone knows what K. Lou is doing. Now, granted, he didn't hit a home run today, so big deal. But he's got five <laughs> other ones in the bag that he's hit in inner squad and in live pitching. Um, but there's nothing that beats that sound. Uh, we'll hear about Kyle Lewis in just a moment. Scott Service book on him yesterday as well. Started Taiwan Walker pitched two scoreless innings on the mound. He gave up one hit, one walk, and struck out two. He also told manager Scott Service uh, that he wanted to see Kelnick in the lineup against him. Here was Kelnick's response. But Taiwan still has bragging rights against you. You know, that's garbage because I much respect, though, because, um, you know, I like being called out like that. I think I got much respect for that. Um, but I check swung and that ball still went far. Had I full swung, that's a new story. That might be three on the day. <laughs> I wish I could have faced them uh, another time. But, you know, that's just protocol right now. Might have been able to have three home runs on the day, and uh, Taiwan admitting that he got away with one. He admitted that the changeup that if he threw that again, he'd probably you wouldn't you wouldn't do what you did. He'd probably you'd probably hit it pretty far. He said that. Yeah, he said that if he if he threw the changeup again, you would have been all over. He said that he might have just he got lucky there. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. It's just like I said, it goes back to just seeing the wall well right now. You know, I think he had good stuff today. But uh, also describing where he's at with his swing and, you know, hitting hitting BP uh, even just a week ago, where he's at now. You know, just that I'm comfortable at the plate right now. Uh, I think, you know, especially during quarantine and the off offseason, uh, I got super, super strong. Um, so I wasn't going to have to do a whole lot to get the ball out of the yard. But right now it's, it's feeling really, really good. I feel like I'm on everything. I'm seeing the ball well. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of those things, you, you know, in baseball, it's a funny game because you go through days where you can't hit a beach ball if they threw it up there. And then there's some days where, you know, the ball looks as big as a beach ball and you're hitting everything. So, you know, right now I'm just trying to um, like now the day's over and get ready for tomorrow and try to do the same thing. Uh, the ups and downs, yeah, a big part of, of baseball, right? Such a game of failure. Uh, Scott Service was asked uh, – are hitters missing anything that they would get at spring training versus summer camp? I don't think they're missing anything. Um, you're going to see them ramp up quicker in these games than you would in a normal spring training. Normal spring training, you kind of play a day or off a day. You won't see that. You know, you see a lot of our guys back out there today and they'll play again tomorrow um, just because we have such a, a small window to get them ready. But I know you don't see them hitting on the field as much, but the, the amount of work we're getting in the cages um, you know, underneath, seeing the breaking ball machine, the velocity machine, things like that. 
they're certainly getting their work in. So, uh, you know, feel really good about it. And on top of that, if, you know, some of the guys that are in the afternoon session, if they want to come out and get some extra work in the morning, they can do that. And some of them have taken advantage of that and you'll continue to see it. So no complaints here. All the players are really happy with where, uh, you know, we're at with the schedule and, and getting the, the workload that they need. Obviously still getting used to a lot of the health and safety protocols and the routine of it all. But Jared Kelnick mentioning that he, for one, is one of those guys that enjoys that playing baseball, working out, going to sleep, doing it all over again. No, because I come to the field, I play baseball and work out and then I go home back to my hotel room and I either FaceTime my girlfriend or my parents and play video games. So um, anytime your life can be, my dad always told me that the more simple you can make life, the happier and better you're going to be. And right now I can't complain. It's pretty simple. Earlier, uh, well, this was actually late in June, Scott Service was talking about Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez, where they're at and getting uh, spending a season in Seattle slash Tacoma on that taxi squad of sorts will be great exposure for guys them. like Jared Kelnick and, and Julio Rodriguez that typically wouldn't be around Seattle or certainly have much exposure to T-Mobile Park until they actually get their call up to the big leagues. This is going to be different. Now they're going to have an opportunity to, to work out in the stadium and you know get more comfortable. So when they do actually make their debut, uh, they've been here before. And it may not sound like a big deal to the average fan. Ah, it's just baseball. It, it is a big deal to these guys. Jerry DePoto also on uh, the Jerry DePoto Show on Danny and Gallant recently mentioning that Kelnick is a future ta- talent and a big part of the development process is making sure you go through those struggles. With Jared Kelnick is a terrific talent. We think a future star here with the Mariners. And he just he still has less than 100 plate appearances above A ball. And, you know, while that is not damning in and of itself, it, it does present challenges because he's not yet had to struggle and get over that, that hump and, and battle what I'm certain will be, you know, major league shortcomings. He will he will run into bumps in the road, and he hasn't had to, to manage that yet, which is part of development. Meanwhile, baseball still going through some logistical issues when it comes to testing, and yesterday even a, a manager having to sit out. So we'll hear from Jeff Passan, the latest on that, plus Houston Rockets star guard Russell Westbrook announcing he tested positive for the coronavirus. What's going on, the latest with the NBA bubble, plus you're waking up with a little soccer this morning as well as Seattle Sounders on ESPN right now as well. Early morning match against Chicago. Up next on the Blitz, all of that right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, July 14th. Still a nil-nil score in the Seattle Sounders game. Only nine minutes in right now against Chicago. You can watch that on ESPN. A little morning soccer. Why not? Getting hot down there in Florida. So getting in these early morning games. We talked about a good day for the Mariners squad, especially for the young players. Kyle Lewis says uh, hit... Several bashes so far in in summer camp, but yesterday it was Jared Kelnick's turn to hit two of them. Meanwhile, baseball continues to deal with some logistical issues when it comes to the health and safety protocols. 
And yesterday, Chicago Cubs manager David Ross, five other plus five other tier one individuals were not able to attend their Monday morning practice as they await results of their COVID-19 tests from Saturday. The team said in a release that it expects the results uh Late later on Monday, late last night, since this uh, this article came out yesterday, but the delay in the Cubs receiving the test was because there was at least one positive in the six plus batches. Each person will get retested as a result. Last week, the Cubs were among several teams that delayed workouts while waiting for test results. And Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant was vocally critical about the delays and the lack of the frequency of the tests. Jeff Pass, an ESPN MLB insider, he was on SportsCenter last night to discuss. We're already on a really shortened timetable, Sage, and that's been the problem throughout this entire endeavor that they're trying to cram what normally takes six weeks into three weeks. But I think everybody around baseball recognizes that there are going to be problems and that this thing is not going to run smoothly. And that if you're going to have a season, things like this are bound to happen. And there are going to be days when players, or in this case, a manager, have to miss a game. And what you hope is that in the long run, it's just one game as opposed to two or three or five or ten, because It is such a shortened season, and there is such a finite amount of time to actually come through and win baseball games if we get to the point where they're being played. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if if it's several players at once, can you even get a game in? That's stuff that they're just going to have to deal with as it comes. As for the reigning World Series champions, outfielders Juan Soto, Victor Robles, among a handful of nationals who remain in quarantine as they follow the local guidelines in Washington, D.C. So it's interesting, Jeff, because rules vary depending on where you are. So how will that affect the season once it gets going? Yeah, I mean, it's affecting things already, Sage. You were looking at the defending champions here who are missing their best player in Juan Soto, who are missing a linchpin player in Victor Robles. They've got a game on Saturday, an exhibition game, and they're playing the first game of the season, as you said, against the New York Yankees. And they haven't had two-thirds of their outfield out there to this point. And the scary part, Sage, is not so much that this is happening during the preseason. It's the notion that this could happen during the regular season as well. If there are outbreaks in particular places and states put ordinances in place to have quarantine rules for people traveling from out of state, we could see a number of these things happening. And that, as much as any individual outbreak inside of a clubhouse, is what threatens the Major League Baseball season. Meanwhile, in the NBA bubble, Houston Rockets star guard Russell Westbrook announced that he tested positive for the coronavirus before the team departed for Walt Disney World. Westbrook and other star James Harden, uh, plus recent addition Luke Baemute, did not travel with the Rockets to Orlando. The NBA announced coronavirus test results on Monday, and of the 322 players tested since arriving in the Orlando bubble, two were positive and have left the campus to isolate at home or in isolation housing. The league said that since July 1st, 19 players have tested positive. Coach Mike D'Antoni uh, for the Houston Rockets saying Sunday that he hoped all three of his affected players would be able to arrive at the NBA bubble within three or four days. The Rockets declined to specify a reason for the players' absence, though. Rachel Nichols, host of The Jump, 
discussing how this might set the Rockets behind. I asked Mike D'Antoni about that yesterday, how much of an impact he thought that that would have. He said, look, these guys are pros, right, that, that he thinks that they'll be able to work in. They're not in danger of not making the playoffs or anything. So he said that they'll be able to work themselves back in shape during those seeding games. Still, those seeding games are important for the Rockets, right? Are they going to be in sixth place or third place? Like the swing is that big. So that's an issue. And also, as we have seen, players are starting to get some of those knickknack injuries because they spent four months away and now they're being rushed through training camp. This is a track meet to get to the playoffs. So Russell Westbrook and James Harden missing the beginning of that track meet means that they are just going to be behind in the race and trying to catch up. We'll see how that they do. The players will have to quarantine in their rooms for 48 hours after their arrival before practicing with the Rockets and the team also without forward Bruno Caboclo, who inadvertently broke the initial quarantine period, according to the ESPN report, and has to remain in his room for eight more days before joining team activities. What happens if a player breaks quarantine protocols? Malika Andrews of ESPN answering that yesterday. After they have broken these rules, and even though the way that these two did it was inadvertent, one just left their room during quarantine and wasn't clear that that was uh, against the rules, and the other was going to pick up a food delivery and just so happened to step outside of the lines of what is actually campus and safe and on lockdown. It doesn't matter, though. Those players still have to now quarantine for 10 additional days and test negative every day that they are in quarantine just to make sure that they did not by chance contract coronavirus even if they were only away from campus for a couple of minutes. And that'll be the same for any player, whether it is intentional or unintentional, that they step foot outside of the bubble boundaries. Coming up on The Blitz, the latest on Quentin Dunbar, the situation that just keeps getting more interesting and murky, but NBC Sports Joe Fan joining 710 yesterday to discuss it's next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, July 14th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. Still 0-0, nil-nil in that Sounders game. I'll keep you updated as they got underway at 6 a.m. this morning against Chicago. In the meantime, the Quentin Dunbar case has had more turns uh, and twists than anything I can uh, imagine recently. But Joe Fan of NBC Sports joining 710 yesterday, joining Bob, Dave, and more to chat about latest on Quentin Dunbar. To talk some football with our buddy from uh, NBC Sports Northwest. Joe Fan is with us. Joe, what's going on, man? What's up, fellas? Uh, sitting here on my laptop getting some work done. I just saw Jared Klenick hit his second home run of his inter-squad game. So I know we're talking football, but, man, I think he's already the best baseball player of all time. I'm pretty hyped about it. So yeah. my day is good. <laughs> he's, all, your question. He, he's already in the Hall of Fame. No need to play a game. It's a, just fine. But, yeah. Uh, two-run homer off uh, Cortez. It's just he crushed one earlier, so looking good. Uh, meanwhile, let's talk football, and I know you've been tweeting out some bold predictions. We'll get to some of those, but you also tweeted out that you reached out to the NFL to get some sort of explanation as to the situation with Dunbar, whether he could be placed on the commissioner's exempt list while this is all getting sorted out. Um, and they didn't really give you the, the, the response was, the matter remains under review. We have no further comment at this time. So let me ask you, have you been able to make any sense of what's going on? Because there's been so much back and forth, so many witnesses changing their testimony. Then they were, they were, you know, forced into this. They were coerced into this. Uh, lawyers being fired. I mean, it's just, it's such a mess. 
It feels like an episode of Better Call Saul, and it's actually kind of fitting because I'm, I'm watching the show for the first time right now, and when you watch some of the shenanigans that's on this TV show, this almost feels crazier, right? I mean, when you think about all the details of this, you know, alleged armed robbery happens on a Wednesday night, and then not on, not even 12 hours later, he's meeting with the media for the first time, and this has already taken place, and, and the media is none the wiser. And then hours later, ever, after everyone gets their stories up about how he's ready to, you know, turn the corner and stay healthy and then earn a big contract in 2021, and all of a sudden this comes down, and it looks really ugly. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, his, a, a lawyer, Michael Greico, gets uh, all the sworn affidavits of, of those five individuals, the four, wit- the four uh, victims and one witness, uh, completely recanting their stories and clearing Dunbar of any wrongdoing. And now there's evidence, including video uh, at Greco's office and Instagram direct messages. Um, that's evidence of a payoff, which is also bizarre. Right? These people who got robbed at gunpoint allegedly uh, said as much to the police officers and then got paid off to change their stories. Are they just getting their own money back? Or what's the, you know what I mean? Like, it's just such a bizarre situation. And now, you know, it makes sense that, that his, uh, you know, Dunbar defined new representation because of a potential conflict of interest. If Greco is looking at potential witness tampering charges, um, all of a sudden, you know, you can't uh, represent your client in good faith. Should there be, um, you know, you have to get on the witness stand and, and testify. So um, it's a really bizarre situation. But, you know, if there's any uh, validity to this new evidence that came out first reported on Friday evening by the New York Daily News, um, I, I can't imagine that Quentin Dunbar is playing for the Seahawks in 2020 and beyond that. You know, this thing look like, looks like it's headed for trial potentially and, and maybe jail time for Dunbar. Joe Fan of NBC Sports in that full interview with Bob David Moore is available at 710sports.com. Uh, in some happier news on a local star, Kyle Lewis uh, has been having an excellent summer camp home runs, but also just amazing plate discipline, taking a couple of key walks as well. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times joining Bob David Moore yesterday to talk about Kyle Lewis's progression. It was also his birthday yesterday, apparently. So happy belated birthday to Kyle. Normally, we're, we're so conditioned, Ryan, just to look at spring training numbers and say whether they're really good or really bad. You go, it's spring training. Guys are working on things. You just don't put a lot of stock into them. Yet it's hard not to get excited when you see Kyle Lewis hitting a home run, what feels like every other at-bat. How do you, how do you view what's happening, what you're seeing right now? How seriously do you take it, I guess? Um, you know, I, I guess you take it maybe about the same as, as spring training. I don't, I don't certainly don't take it any less than spring training. He's facing real guys. Uh, you know, I mean, even in the live batting practice session the other day, the home run that he hit off of Austin Adams was a 94-mile-per-hour fastball. You know, Justin Dunn threw a 92-mile-per-hour fastball that was riding in on the inside half. Uh, Lewis kind of was ready for it, got his hands through, and hit it off the scoreboard. I mean, that's that's no small feat, you know. And then to take a, a curveball and drive it to the right field wall or to take one off the – take a fastball off of the Mariners – uh, number one pitcher, Marco Gonzalez, and put it over the wall at dead center, a place where balls just don't go out very often. I think all those things matter. I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't count in the results, but, I mean, if it makes Kyle Lewis seem more confident at the plate or make him feel more confident or if it's verification for some of the, the stuff he's been working on in terms of his swing and, and understanding the strike zone, then I think that matters. I mean, I think everybody is always so quick to say, well, these results don't matter. And, yeah, the results. In terms of the numbers or the stats don't matter, the RBIs, the home runs. But if the process is right 
and then you get the result that you were looking for in the process, then that does matter. And I think that's what the Mariners are happy about is that, you know, he came up last year and hit six homers in 10 games, including three in the first three games, and then started to see a lot of off-speed stuff. Well, you know, he went into this off-season saying, I'm going to get better at hitting off-speed pitches and, and recognizing off-speed pitches. And we saw him hit a homer off of a curveball uh, the other day off of Nick Margavicious, and we saw him hit a couple of home runs off of curveballs this spring. So I think there, you, you can take the stats, and the stats are meaningless, but the result isn't necessarily meaningless because it has meaning to the player in terms of his development, and I think that's where people kind of get lost in that cliche. Well, I think that's really well put, Ryan. I, I, I like that. You're, you're right. It's the process. That's what's getting him. But, you know, again, we Jim and I were both saying on Friday, well, small sample size. But, yeah, but he, he just continues to do it. But, I mean, you know, when should we really get excited, though? I mean, now or, you know, what, what what's a, a proper, you know, sample size to say, okay, it looks like this kid's really going to be special? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that this season will offer a fair amount of sample size because you're talking 60 games. You know, like, had it been a normal season, he was going to get 500 plate appearances. Now he might get 200 if he's lucky. You know, it's like um, – you know, that's the, that's the issue where it kind of is the rub in all of this is what is that, you know, fair? Is that a fair assessment? He just he just drove in another run in this inner squad game with a hard ground ball a second that they couldn't make a play on. So, I mean, um, you know, I, I think had they played a 160 game season, this is a kid given the ability to drive the ball to right field in the center field. You know, if he stays healthy, you, you're talking about a 25 to 30 home run guy, if not more. He's that strong, he's that physical, and he kind of hits to that power. Now, he'll strike out 150-plus times. But, I mean, again, do you want the 30 homers? I think the biggest thing for the Mariners and, and for Kyle Lewis in general is that he played the entire season last year. After basically never playing a full season due to all these knee issues, he made it through an entire season and never was put on the injured list because of knee problems. Uh, they talked about where he talked about this during the shutdown, going back and working out in Atlanta with a speed coach to work on his running, his running form, trying to improve his footwork, trying to protect that knee a little bit, doing all these things uh, that are proactive to keep him healthy. So, I mean, like, you know, the 60 games won't be the best sample size for Kyle Lewis or Evan White or Shed Long, and that hurts the Mariners' rebuild plan because they were trying to have a better gauge on what these guys are or aren't based on 500 plate appearances. But... I think 60 games is enough that he's going to face teams a couple different times and teams are already starting to develop a scattering report on him. How he reacts to all of this, I think, is important. And the other thing is, is I think, just being around him, he has the mental discipline, and I think part of it is coming from that knee injury and what he overcame. He has the mental discipline to not look at failure and then overreact to it like Dustin Ackley did. When Dustin Ackley had one bad season with the Mariners, he went through and changed his whole swing and his whole process. I don't think Kyle Lewis does that because he understands the discipline of what he's doing. Coming up next on the Blitz, it is time for the hot list. A big phone call took place yesterday between the Players' Union and uh, the league, and several questions still need to be answered. We'll hear from Sam Ocho, NFL PA a representative on what those questions are, including some basic ones about health and safety, about testing and players' ability to opt out next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. It's time for 
The Hot List. Holy mackerel. The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes. What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go. Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry and the team not expected to reach a long-term deal by Wednesday's deadline for franchise players, according to Adam Schefter. 26-year-old Henry signed his franchise tender in April, scheduled to make $10.27 million this season and become a free agent in the offseason. The Pro Bowler rushed for a league-leading just over 1,500 yards last season with 16 touchdowns. He became the first player to have 180 yards or more rushing in three consecutive games, counting the season finale win over the Houston Texans and playoff wins against New England Patriots and Baltimore Ravens. What you also might not hear much on is a, Dak, is a contract for Dak Prescott with Cowboys in the next 24 hours, according to Shefty. This has been, in my mind, the quietest period leading up to the franchise deadline, long-term deadline signing day that we've ever seen in the NFL. And it's partly due to the pandemic because teams are unsure of the financial uncertainty. And that impacts Dak Prescott. Even he is not immune to it. But again, there's still the standoff that has existed between these two sides. It's not helped by what's going on in the country at this point in time. And it doesn't appear right now as if these two sides are any closer to an agreement than they've been in previous weeks or months. We also heard from Lewis Riddick this morning on Get Up. Our Prescott and Cowboys were both content where they are at. For Dak Prescott, look, he may be looking at it in the same way that Kirk Cousins looked at it starting all the way back in 2016. Look, Dak Prescott, if he played on two franchise tags this year and next year, he would earn more cash money, cash in his pocket than any other player in, in the NFL right now. He would earn close to $70 million over those two years. Now, obviously, that comes with, with uh, a certain amount of risk in terms of not having the long team guaranteed money at signing in his pocket that most guys want at this point in time. But he's comfortable with that. Dallas obviously is saying this. Look, we're not budging on the five years that we want. We're not giving you four years. Obviously, they're going to try and use however they can the contract that Pat Mahomes signed with Kansas City against Dak and saying, look at the, look at the kind of financial certainty in these uncertain times that Pat Mahomes gave the Kansas City Chiefs. He didn't have a problem signing 10 more years on top of the two years that he already has left and giving them 12 years of financial certainty. Why can't you do that for us? I can't absolutely say for certain that's what they're telling them, but I could bet that that's probably part of their position as to why they are not backing off the five years that they want for him. And right now when teams get dug in like this, this is what happens. Speaking of that Mahomes contract, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens quarterback, with some thoughts on that big contract. I mean, it's, it's a crazy number. You know, no one has ever, you know, dreamed about that. Well, probably dreamed about it, but no one ever expected that, especially half a billion dollars. But that's different. He deserved it, though. You know, he deserved it. And, uh, yes, a rising boats. Rising tide helps all boats, right? So potentially for Lamar's deal down the road. Seattle Seahawks tight end Greg Olson has signed a deal to be the number two NFL television analyst for Fox Sports after he retires. The 35-year-old signed a one-year, $7 million deal with Seattle back in February after being released by the Carolina Panthers in January. Uh, he plans to honor that deal, has no set plan on when he will retire. The Fox contract currently plans to pair Olson with Kevin Burkhart when Olson is finished playing. So if the Seahawks uh, did not make the playoffs and Olsen opts to retire after the season, he could potentially be moved into an analyst role even for the playoffs. He was considering the move to Fox after his release from Carolina, where from 2014 to 2016, he became the first 
tight end in NFL history to have three straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons. But the Seattle deal, the desire to make another possible run at the Super Bowl, also helping his decision to continue playing here. And we've heard from him a couple times uh, already ahead of this season. We've also heard from uh, Will Ferrell standing in for Greg Olson admirably as well. A big conversation happened yesterday between the NFLPA and the owners in the league. And a lot of questions that still have to be answered. Um, one of the big, one of the big questions uh, includes health and safety. And uh, Sam Acho, NFL Vice President, on what their goals are as of now, what they want to accomplish. He mentioned that they didn't make much progress on the call. So where do they stand right now? Well, the most important goal is having a system in which we understand the threshold of when games will get canceled or when practices will get canceled. As of now, the only system is a a commissioner who gets to decide by his own standard if and when anything gets canceled, no matter how many outbreaks there are. And that for us, it's not acceptable. There needs to be minimum guidelines saying if, if this many people have, have, the, have COVID, if this many teams, as they start to practice their play, play against each other, that's the main issue. Another issue is the preseason games. We, don't, we have a, a team of doctors, jointly decided medical professionals, both by the NFL and NFLPA, that have said that uh, there needs to be somewhat of a six-week uh, on-ramp into playing games. And so the NFL kind of postures if they wanted us to come early, but then obviously we've seen the cases rise, and now they're saying that preseason games are acceptable, even though the, the, the team of doctors said it probably isn't the best idea to play four or even two. And so we're still trying to get a great reason from the NFL why we should play two games. For us, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's too risky. Sam Macho, NFL PA Vice President, also, on where that cancellation line is, he at this point thinks the season should be postponed. Yeah, I mean, what I think is I think the, the season should be postponed. I don't think, especially looking at cases in Texas and in Florida and all these different states where corona is on the rise, I think it'd be very difficult to start a football season on time. And so when the NFL says, number one, we're going to play, and number two, we're going to have two preseason games, even though it hasn't been there's no medical reason as why we should have two over zero. And number three, we have no measure, right? Other, we talk about other leagues. Other leagues have bubbles. The NBA, WNBA, they're, they're in bubbles. Other leagues have bubbles. They have ways to isolate themselves. The NFL doesn't. The NFL roster has 90 guys, maybe 100 if you include guys on the IR when you start the preseason. Yes, there's been conversation of cutting that roster down to maybe 80. Yes, there's been conversation of having different groups come in at different times. But at the end of the day, when games are played, when people are, are hitting each other for an average of 60 times a game, then you have to have some kind of answer to say, what will happen? Will, will, will the season be canceled? Will the season be postponed or delayed? And those are the conversations that we had yesterday. We're going to have them today, and we're likely going to continue to have them until we come up with a solution. As of now, is everyone still planning on reporting on July 28th? That is not that far off, but a lot of uh, training camps... As of now, the league has been proceeding as if everything will proceed on time, including reporting on July 28th. Yeah, well, a lot of that is 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 really up in the air. It's funny, I have a, I have a book coming out in the fall. It's called Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And you can find it at sammachobook.com. But in that book, there's a chapter titled Bargaining with Billionaires. It talks about <laughs> some of the CBA negotiations I was a part of over the last few years. And those negotiations started off a lot like this one started off. The NFL essentially saying to the NFLPA that 
a lot of the stances that you're starting at are non-starters. And anytime you have one group saying to another group that you're having a non-starter, it's telling the other group that you don't want to come back to play. And if our players aren't safe and if we're um, putting each other at a lot of risk, it's hard to see us getting back to that July 28th start date. As of now, that date is still penciled in. But as I mentioned, it's a pencil. It's not a pen. In addition to the testing protocols, how often those will happen, the logistics of that, and the on-ramp period, the preseason games that they still want to be figured out. Also, what about players that want to opt out for the season? Sam Macho, NFL PA VP, also saying that those need to be figured out. Yeah, that's one of the toughest parts when you have a team, a league of 2,000-plus individuals trying to come to an agreement. Uh, Similarly, in, in 2017, when we were deciding, do we take a knee as a team? Do we stand? Do we lock arms during the, the conversation about social justice and, and during the national anthem? And I, and I write about this in the book as well, about this idea of trying to get everyone on the same page. As a rep, I have my, I have my personal opinions, but as a, an executive committee member, as a, as a player who represents the rest of my team and the league, I have to take their opinions in mind. And so even though I sit here and say the game should be delayed or maybe even canceled, there's a large contingent of players that say, hey, I need to play. And here's why. If you, if you cancel the, and I'm not even talking about a season, I'm talking about the preseason, right? If you cancel the preseason, now all of a sudden these guys who may have had a chance to make the team, now they have no chance to have a cut immediately. Right? So then these guys that say, I want to take that risk. I think the players should be able to decide what risks they do and don't want to take. And those are the conversations that we're having opt-out clauses, uh, whether it's you, whether it's because you have a medical background or whether it's because you just choose to opt-out. We're talking about tolling contracts. So you pause it now, you can pick it up next year. These are the different conversations that we need to get figured out before any football is played. So not a lot of progress on that call yesterday, not a lot of time before July 28th, and still a lot of questions to be answered. We did get a look at the Oakley Mouse Shield, a product designed by Oakley in collaboration with doctors and engineers from the NFL and NFLPA. Uh, yesterday, it's supposed to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus in the field of play. You can look at the mock-ups and the sketches. I know ESPN has them. I'm sure I'll also t- tweeted out on Twitter yesterday. But hoping that this will help in the health and safety uh, category uh, expected to be distributed to all 32 teams over the next week when it will receive a test drive on a much larger scale than it has gotten to date. But also still some questions about uh, players, players seeming lukewarm on wanting to wear those at this point. The Washington football team announcing yesterday on Monday that they will officially be retiring their nickname and logo after completing a thorough review that began on July 3rd. Uh, they, Dan Snyder and Coach Ron Vera, they said in a statement, are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud, tradition-rich franchise and inspire our sponsors, fans, and community for the next 100 years. We had heard and widely uh, been expected that Washington would change its name And uh, now that happened. Sports Business Daily reported the announcement of a new name has been delayed because trademark issues are pending. Uh, Happy that change is happening. But as a lot of people mentioned, too, uh, can you really give Dan Snyder credit for something that should have happened a long time ago? Bomani Jones, The Right Time Podcast, commenting on that. 
producer asked me if we should pat Washington on the Dan Snyder on the back for this when we should have been smacking upside the head for 20 years for the fact that it took so long. They're not doing right. They just stopped doing wrong. And that's an important difference because one thing that is lacking so far, it was lacking in the statement that they put out and the one they put out on July the 3rd. There's no acknowledgement of wrong in this. This is not simply a matter of we decided to change the name. If it's the right thing to do to change it, then you need to acknowledge the fact that it was wrong and you need to acknowledge why it was wrong. The problem is Snyder's been standing on lies for 20 years to try to say why this name was justified and try to pull out any Native American that he could find to say, hey, this guy says it's okay, so it must be okay. No, man, they get no props for this. They don't get anything positive in the name of this. And I'm not even sure I feel good about this idea of the Washington Red Tails because because I don't understand why in the world the name of this team has anything to do with the military. They said that on their statement on July the 3rd that we want to have a name that honors our military. Explain to me how the last name honored the military, because it sounds to me like if that was honoring the military, then you were acknowledging that you were taking a victory lap on the Native Americans by saying, hey, this is honoring these people whom you have conquered. What? What was that? Oh, okay, cool. So what? That didn't make any sense? So what are we doing here, man? All these things that they keep coming up with behind the name, your name doesn't have to be something that deep. It just has to stop being a racial slur. And you don't get credit for no longer calling somebody a racial slur. But Money Jones on, I believe, maybe around the throat. No, it was highly questionable yesterday, but with some thoughts on that, I always love hearing from Bamani. Happy belated birthday to one Mr. Kyle Lewis. He turned 25 yesterday, having a really good summer camp so far as the Mariners continue playing these inter-squad games. But how about, how about a happy early birthday to soon-to-be 21-year-old Jared Kelnick? He started his birthday week off with a bang yesterday. Two home runs worth at T-Mobile Park. Uh, the first home runs for Mr. Kelnick in these inter-squad games. Um, home run number one came off lefty Nestor Cortez, left a fastball up, and then he took a walk in his next at-bat. And home run number two came off new bullpen addition Carl Edwards Jr. Now I'll play you one of them. There's crowd noise piped in. Uh, the Mariners did a full stream yesterday, which was really cool to watch on their YouTube channel. But home run number two for Kelnick yesterday. <laughs> noise pumped in there for effect but just that crack of the bat just sounding different one of those that just makes your head turn across the room if you might be multitasking or doing something else in the moment uh that distinct sound you can hear it when a ball touches kyle lewis's bat and now jared kelnick so pretty cool for him yesterday thought he might even have had a third uh if he had uh, squared up on a pitch against taiwan walker which was great some friendly trash talking between the two of them happening yesterday and having fun with summer camp and just being able to play baseball pretty cool that's a wrap for the hot list and the entire blitz at six hour danny and gallant coming next right here on 710 espn seattle